Greetings, everyone. You're listening to Niner National, a show where we discuss all manners of international topics and cultural diffusion. I'm your host, Wyatt Smith. Thanks for tuning in. Now, let's get cracking. All right, welcome, welcome. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Wyatt Smith. I'm the host of this show, uh, Niner National. I'm a freshman here at UNC Charlotte, majoring in international business, and I'm here with my good buddy Basil from Saudi Arabia. Basil, introduce yourself, my man. Hey, guys, my name is Basil or Basil or Basil. Depends on how you like to pronounce it. Depends on how country you are. <laughs> Basil? Basil? Depends where you're from. Uh, I'm a senior. I'm doing finance, supply chain, and MIS, triple major. And I'm from Saudi Arabia, as Wyatt said. All right, super, super. So the way we met is actually really fucking funny. <laughs> um, so I've got a Japanese roommate, right? I live in Witherspoon Hall. I live in the um, yeah, the international wing. There's this big wing, and they put, like, international exchanges on there, um, you know, with American students to facilitate cultural exchange, that kind of thing. Uh, so I've got a roommate who's from Japan, and uh, we're sitting down on the couch one day. You know, we both just moved in, and he goes, Wyatt, are, are you going on the trip to North Davidson? trip to North Davidson. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like the NOTA trip. I'll, I'll send you the info for it. And I'm like, all right. So I'm checking my email and I'm like, I, I didn't get any info on this trip, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know what- For a know. reason. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Uh, I didn't get any info on this. So he sends it to me. He's like, man, you need, you need to sign up. So, um, you know, I, I look in my, uh, my email and you know, he's forwarded me this email from this guy named Basile, right? I'm, I'm here with him now. Uh, so I'm like, okay, you know, I'll- you know, it's got some questions on it. One of them's like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, uh, United States. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, um, I signed up for this trip. It's four o'clock. You know, we're all going to get on the light rail. We're all going to go to North Davidson. Um, so I show up and I'm with Sora and I look around and I immediately know. Sora is the Japanese yeah, roommate. Yeah, Sora is yeah. the Japanese roommate. Yeah. Um, I, I look around and I notice that. I'm the only white guy, <laughs> literally the only one, right? There was a French guy, though. Oh, there was a French guy. There was one French guy. Yeah, yeah, technically, no. Um, but I am the only American guy there. So I'm like, immediately, I'm like, you yeah, know, this is, this is interesting, right? But I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying myself. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with Sora, and I turn to Sora, and I'm like, is this, is this for international students? He's like, no, it's for everybody, and I think. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to roll with it. I'm going to roll with the punches, right? <laughs> so get on this train, and... Um, and like the train is just crowded, like everybody's standing up. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people there. Way more people that showed up than we originally thought would. Yeah, the plan was uh, like the international office started doing this last year, 2021, yeah. where they take like new international student, take them like a trip to uptown or like uh, to play volleyball or something. So this year, uh, I volunteered to do it, and w- I sent an email to 217 students. <laughs> we thought like 20 to 35 maximum will show up. <laughs> The number who, what like what I've seen in that train trip was around 120. Good then Lord. there was another train after us, like with 30, 40 people. So oh, we did not expect those numbers at all. But maybe we'll, we'll talk about later how how chaotic things happen oh, in, in like not expected like in not expected way. That poor uh, cafe. Yeah, that poor <laughs> ca- like the, the, like we went to Emily's and Noda, and they had no one at that time. We got in. We made business to them. Oh, like yeah. I, at the beginning, I start ab- apologizing to them. Please, we're international. I'm so sorry. Like <laughs> people here, like just came to the country. Take it easy on us. And they would be like, bro, like we're doing business. Like we're happy to have you. But like it, it was funny. Like how how almost everyone showed up. So 
for the record, like for next year, probably send less emails or something. I don't yeah. know. Maybe more volunteers. I don't know. Yeah, everybody who's who's running the show at Charlotte, uh, listen listen carefully <laughs> to that part, right? So, so I get on this train. I'm I'm sitting there with Sora and like yeah, everybody's around me. They're all introducing my, themselves, and you know a lot of the guys are from India. There's a few guys from France. I think there was a guy from from Israel. Uh, obviously Saudi Arabia. Like you know lots lots of different nationalities, and it starts to slowly dawn on me like, wait a minute. <laughs> so so we get off the train and um you know I'll I'll let you take over a little bit from here what happened. Yeah, I remember why it was like, oh man, I didn't know this is for like international. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was like, bro, this is for everyone like it's volunteer thing. So we we're not uh, preparing meals for everyone or we're not having se- specific seats for the numbers or coming so everyone can join. And he kept apologizing and stuff. <laughs> it was funny. Like the, the, the weird part like I thought he is like French or something because there there was another French guy who's white. So, uh, but like his accent is like clear, and he's like speaking with a southern accent, and yeah. he he has this like American vibes around him. I was like, what? Yeah. Then, then like he he vibes. told me like I'm American, start apologizing. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was the funniest thing. But man, I mean that was that trip was a blast. So we we get there and uh, I'm talking to Basile and he's like. And I expected like 20, 30 <laughs> people to show up max. And there's like 120 people here. Uh, and so we got this big group of people. And there's so many of them that Basile is like, he's yelling. He's trying to get their attention. And they're just not listening. Like, they're just like milling around. Um, and eventually I have to go like, hey. Hey. Get, <laughs> I remember you held in that. I remember, yeah. He yeah. was like, hey, hey, listen, listen. If you want to go to the cafe, go with Basile. If you want to go to like the ice cream place, go with whoever is there. And like we start dividing people with the volunteer and stuff. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. I liked it. Oh, I yeah. like I liked how it was unexpected. Uh, like I feel like and like the most important thing I learned in my time here was, uh, and like in the US is, nothing is nothing will go as planned. Nothing Expect in life. Expect the unexpected. Exactly. Like that. That that's like it sounds like a cliche, but it's it's a real. Thing. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It's a cliche for a reason. And. Um, so so we got to the point where yeah we were splitting people up because the idea is like we've got this huge group we got to split people up so we say you know anybody who wants to go to the cafe come with us three quarters of the people on the whole trip <laughs> start going to the cafe then we start convincing people to go to the ice cream place to divide them <laughs> so so I'm, I'm walking ahead with basil and we're just we're walking on the sidewalk and uh, we're, we're just like this poor cafe like we're talking about it we're all we're both sweaty as hell like we're sweaty as fuck like we're like what are we gonna do when we get here? What are we gonna tell them? Uh, and and Basile goes, you know, we got it. We got an international invasion coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I look around and I'm like, I'm the, I'm the only I'm the only American here. So this is an international invasion. I guess that makes me the CIA, right? <laughs> the inside information guy. <laughs> inside information, right? I'm I'm leading the coup. Oh man, but so we, we get to the cafe. They they actually handled us all like super well. It was a great time, great conversation, and all that. Met a lot of cool people. Good stuff, good stuff. Love that trip, love that trip. Love, absolutely love that trip. So you're here in finance, you're in your senior year, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, originally, like, what kind of compelled you to come to UNC Charlotte? Like, UNC Charlotte's not, you know, it's not Harvard, it's not, um, it's not like a prestigious, like, typical American university. Like, what brought you here? I want to hear that story. Okay, first of all, if I got accepted to Harvard, probably wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> amen, but, amen, me too, man. To me be too. honest, okay. Uh, so, uh... How about we first talk about the time I came here? Uh, yeah, the first 100%. time I came to like the US. Yeah. Yeah. So I joined the university back home. 
It's the best university in the Middle East called King Fahad University. King Fahad University. Yeah, but for petroleum and minerals, they and call it. Because where is that located? This is in Saudi, east of Saudi, All in right. a city called Dahran. Dahran. Yeah, uh, I spent a good two weeks there. Oh, then right. dropped out, so I'm a college dropout. Uh, amen, amen. Yeah. <laughs> then I applied for this. applied for this uh, big scholarship program back home where they take, like, the top 5% students and send them overseas to study, and they like, they help you with the tuition and everything. It's a great program, like, help develop the country. Uh, like, in a few months, they interviewed and stuff and apply and paperwork and stuff, and I got accepted. Uh, and it was, like, it was, like, I think... A life-changing moment in my life. A oh, turning I can point. imagine. Yeah. I can imagine so. Yeah, so I came to the U.S. and Florida in 2018, January 7th. Right. Yeah, I keep that there. Like, I mark it, like, mark my anniversary. Amen. Yeah, so uh, I studied English, like, in an institute. Right. Maybe many international students will relate to this because at the beginning, you have to pass a test called TOEFL or IELTS. Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, I, know all, I know all about it. Yeah, so I spent a good year, two year and a half, and... The experience there is different than experience at a regular university because uh, over there, like, students with you are similar to you. Right. Even though I, I had, like, a lot of Venezuelan friends and a lot of uh, Colombian, a lot of uh, Chinese, Korean, not much Japanese for some reason, I don't know why. But, like, uh, all those people came here to study, to pass the IELTS, uh, IELTS test. Then after I passed it, I... Like, it was weird. Like, I met a guy at Starbucks, never seen him before, and he's a Saudi, so we start talking. And he was like, uh, I study at UNC Charlotte, and I noticed your last name is Aldafiri. I know a guy with the same last name. I was like, can I have his number? He was like, yeah, sure. Send, he, send me his number. Called the guy. The guy was helpful, and his name is Walid. And, like, Walid helped me get accepted, get an apartment, register for classes, even like walked me around campus and wow. everything. So the main reason I came to UNC Charlotte is Walid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to it's, Walid if you're listening. Honestly, right. yeah. I love Walid. Like he graduated last year. Uh, like Walid did everything to me. So this is w why I'm trying to volunteer with the international office. This is why right. I'm trying to like try to help people because I got helped. I got carried Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to be I here. You, I feel you. Yeah, like people think like, man, like I studied a lot. I paid a lot of money. I put sweat and blood to, to get my, like, to be at the point where am I uh, right now. But without without that push from Walid, without that push from my parents, without that push from, like, friends and the help, you, you I wouldn't be here. I think I should be grateful to them and to everyone, like, that made me be here. Oh, 100%. Practicing gratitude is, I mean, that's just, that's so important. Um, and I hear that story a lot from a lot of international students. Like, I hear that story from, like, multiple international students I've met. There's always, like, somebody who reached out to them and helped them and got them involved in it. And it's always just, it's a really cool and, like, inspiring, interesting thing. So it's really cool to have that have that mentor. You know, one of the most important things uh, in life. You know, I had an, an uncle on my graduation day. My, my uncle gave me some advice. He said, you want to succeed Find somebody who's done it before and do what they did, right? You know, get under their wing. Yeah, uh, I have, I have like this uh, theory that is so unpopular. I feel like people will say, will say, if you fail, you will learn. But I feel like if you don't fail, you will learn even more. Yeah. If you if you follow a path that have less uh, probability of failing, right? You you will succeed even more. So your uncle told you like follow a guy who or a person who did good things and just. Do the good things. Don't don't try to do like, try new things. 
don't yeah, don't get me wrong but like uh if if you know that there is a high probability of failing if you try this i wouldn't try to try it i would right, try something right, right. that i know there is a good chance that i'm i'm like passing it right. whatever that thing is be practical be realistic exactly um and you know one of my favorite adages speaking of failure you know i have some some unpopular opinions about failure myself you know the way that we approach failure as a society is like you you fail or you don't um but i think if you look at goals holistically you come closer to your goal or you don't and you know what you may define as failing that may bring you a little closer to your goal or it may not uh so finding someone who has done that before is super important and you should not be afraid of failure right like you can't fear failure or you're never going to do anything you're going to be that guy who sits on his ass all day and plays like you know fucking whatever yeah, yeah exactly um, exactly like uh do not like don't like don't stop doing things because you you think you're going to fail right. but sometimes in life there are things that there is big chance you're going to fail right. like i'm a 55 guy if i pursue a career in like basketball the NBA, right? i'm not exactly. i'm not going to exactly. make it <laughs> exactly <laughs> you feel me that's that's what i'm talking about don't you, don't pursue those kind Be of careers place your shots wisely like, exactly exactly but but never never hesitate to try Amen. never hesitate Amen. to try ex- ex- especially in things that don't cost much right every single you know international student and really most of the students that have met here they're here because they tried they're here because they did something they exactly. went out on a limb they took a risk um and i think that's that's super cool we're definitely going to touch on that in further episodes of the podcast so you know failure is it's an asset it's a tool it's like anything in life um you know it's not necessarily uh, a good thing you don't want to pursue it but it's an asset um speaking of assets you mentioned coming here to learn english uh, for the toefl or, or ILS which one did you take by the way did you take I took both? the IELTS yeah, the IELTS yeah. um how are the english programs in saudi arabia like did you learn english because i know that coming from an arabic perspective mm-hmm. the two languages are hardly related at all um so from a linguistic perspective what was that like okay so as as like a non native speaker for english english is everywhere like right. you grow up you grow up listening to english in a movie uh, you watching wwe uh you're watching like tv shows like uh even sometimes when i watch japanese anime i'll be like uh, if i don't have arabic translating translation i'll be like okay i will watch it in english and understand right. 20% of that so english is like continuous learning and most all languages are like that but like for english specifically since you see it everywhere you you like you build on it so when i first came here 2018 like when i was 19 years old i already have something but it's not coherent that's right. the word so after like staying for nine months in the the english institute at university of florida at gainesville i i like like i passed the test at that right. point so at that point um like academically ready right, right yeah right, but right, like uh speaking wise communication wise that depends on the person like and and that test there is a speaking part and in that speaking part i got like a seven out of nine and the writing part i got like 5.5 <laughs> right, so you right, you right. see how it goes different different language skills are different like for me uh speaking a foreign language uh understanding is a hell of a lot more difficult than it is to to speak like speaking mm-hmm. comes very naturally understanding is very difficult but i can imagine with english since it's so like saturated everywhere um like in advertisements and tv like so much media comes out of the united states uh it would, it's almost difficult not to learn it i like to relate it to um in a way to spanish in the united states like the the closest thing that people who only speak english kind of get to that um you know you go places there's like signs in spanish there's like labels in spanish um 
but it's like that on steroids, right? Um, so another question I'd ask is in Saudi Arabia, like uh, in major cities versus like in countryside, like how does that differ? Like the English saturation? Um, uh, okay, so uh, countryside is, I think, an American term more than like uh, right, anything. All right, so, all right. so in Saudi, there are big cities and there are small cities. Right. Rarely you will find like uh, the countryside right. as like in an American perspective. Like in America, there is right. Charlotte and there is a lot of small towns next to it, which right. which constitute the country. And in like Saudi, there is big cities and there is smaller cities, then smaller, then smaller. Then you will get to those small villages where there is like twenty houses. And for some reason, people still live there <laughs> yeah, with one school or something. Yeah, so English in big cities are... Okay, so Saudi is 20 million citizens and 10 million foreigns. And those foreigns either speak English or Arabic. Right. Or so ma- many times both of them. And like the Saudi themselves speaks a lot of, speak a lot of English. Uh, like many of them made, made, made it to the scholarship program that I have right now. And many of them like speak it because of movies and stuff. Right. And uh, so, so English is pretty common over there. So if you go there uh, to visit or something, you'll you'll be like able to communicate. I think f- uh, freely, I would say. Right. So it's, it's like such an international trade hub. So much goes through there. Like so much uh, infrastructure depends on Saudi Arabia because I believe it is the second largest oil producing nation on earth. Last time I checked, and it has the largest proven oil reserves. Yeah, also, like, uh, the second largest after the U.S., but uh, the capacity is the largest. Like, if right. Saudi Arabia uh, decide to increase the capacity, uh, they will reach, I think, I think 15 million a day, wow. 15 million barrel a day. I'm not sure about that number. That's One more point about English and Saudi. Usually, Arab, because of our culture, culture uh, cultures, let's say, because Arab people have many different cultures, let's say, um, we are good in communication, we're good in talking. Right. We're g- uh, we're bad at listening, but we're good at <laughs> talking. Uh, but we're bad at writing. So when we get to to the part where, like, in the English Institute, to write like to write an article, the first thing we will ask the like uh, the professor, the teacher, can I make it up or should it be a real story? This question, <laughs> like, I asked all my prof- uh, teachers and professors back at the institute, the English Institute. Because like we we are not that creative in writing, yeah. But speaking, that's that's my shit. <laughs> yeah, amen, amen. Um, speaking is fun. That's the whole reason we're here, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one one more point, last one. Uh, if you go to Japan, they're amazing at writing. They can yeah. write essays better than the, the professor himself or herself. Wow. But but like speaking, that's not their best uh, skill. I guess it's just, do you think that's a cultural difference? Exactly. That's a cultural difference, yeah, because I, I don't know about their culture, but in my culture, we talk a lot. Yeah, we don't right. write a lot. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. So, you know, Japan is very much more, um, at least from my perspective, and I'm, I'm speaking somewhat from ignorance here, but from what I've observed, um, you know, it's, it's a culture that's very much based on knowledge, learning, writing is like, you know, you exchange a lot of that. So in Saudi Arabia, you say like people talk a lot, like, is it, mm-hmm. a, is it a culture where it's very acceptable to walk up to people on the street and just strike up a conversation or uh, a w- little more conservative? I would say like in Saudi specifically, from my perspective, I'm, I'm a like really, really extrovert and I talk to everyone and like, I get my energy from talking to people. So right. from my perspective, I found that if you go to a restaurant, order some food, while waiting, you will talk to the person next to you. Okay? That's amazing. If you if you go to uh, if you want to, right? Like like I want to. <laughs> so I do, I do talk. That. Yeah, people will talk, but like it's it's a uh, it's I would say very very short interaction. 
Right. Like I noticed here in the U.S., like uh, I told I talked to two other friends about it, like two international friends, Sharik and Munzer. Uh, they said uh, here in the U.S., you'll talk to someone in Starbucks. You'll have a very, very, very thoughtful conversation for like five minutes. Then you will never see them again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, that is so but, true. Yeah. But back home, if you have a good convo with someone, you're exchanging, exchanging uh, like socials and contact right. information and you're hanging out with that person. No question. Yeah. Like but that. but short interaction, it happens. Right. Yeah. But if, if it's a good convo, you're taking their number. Right, no question, right, right. yeah. Amen, amen. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we did more of that in the United yeah. States. Something that annoys me sometimes is, yeah, we we get on, like, you know, we, you meet, like, these cool people and you, you talk to them a lot. And you never talk to them again. And that's like, it. They're just gone. Yeah. They're just gone. I, f- I feel like there is something cool about it that when you talk to them, you know, you're going to talk only for five minutes. So you make it, you, like, you make the best out of those five minutes. And you may as well just yeah. say whatever's on in your mind. Exactly, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, you just, you go. Trauma oh. dumping, anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's 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 something that is interesting about it, um, yeah. So cool. Um, so how exactly did you uh, become like? I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but how did you become a tour guide at UNC Charlotte? I know you mentioned uh, you know you were kind of under the the tutelage of of this friend of yours that helped you come into UNC Charlotte and that kind of inspired you. But how long have you been doing that? Okay, so I'm not officially a tour guide. Uh, I I go usually to coffee uh, international coffee hour oh, every you. other Thursday. And I met all the international students over there last year, and like we had fun. Then uh, Vivian from the international office, uh, Vivian and Dylan reached out to me and be like, "Oh, we have those events, and we need volunteers. Can you do it?" I was like, "Say less. Like, yeah. let's go meeting yeah, new people, going to uptown. Why not? Like, I do that for fun. Let me do it for for good for good cause." Amen. Get yeah. something done while you're doing it. So for those who uh, are tuning into the podcast, when is International Coffee Hour? And like, what, uh, do, you, what do you do to get? It's, there? I think the second and uh, sorry, the first and third Thursday. Yeah. Of uh, any month, and if you go to International at UNC and Instagram, you'll find you'll find out the all the information. They post it uh, a day or two ahead in their right. story. So yeah, the account I think is enter. Let me check it real quick. Okay, I'm not checking it. I don't Never worry. About it, man. You guys uh, tuning in, you guys can figure it out. You're you're all smart people, right? Right. <laughs> International CLT something. International CLT something. Um. So right, the first and third Thursday of every month. Um. I need to start going to those. I need to start doing that. Uh, that's yeah, actually the fun. first one will be like uh, tomorrow. Oh, seriously? Uh, yeah, September 1st, yeah. Oh, man, I got to go to that. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you there, man. I'll yeah, bet. Four to six. <laughs> um, so, like, what kinds of people do you meet there? Like, do you meet, like, like what different countries and nationality? Like, what do you see most? Like, when what do you meet? Like, who do you meet? Okay, the highest undergrad international student population at UNC Charlotte is Saudis. Yeah. So, we'll meet a lot of Saudis. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, for grad school, I think it's Indians. Right. I'm not sure about that, but uh, I think because, like, I've seen a lot of, uh, like, this semester we had 500 new international students. About 300 to 400 of them are Indians. So I, I figured like Indians are the most in grad school. You will see a lot. Like interestingly, you'll see people who study PhD. Oh wow! And in and like public health or math or engineering, and you'll see people who are freshmen and who's st- like figuring it out and like which is cool. But like how different those two people and how different their paths are. That's a world that's, away. 
Yeah, that's interesting. All of them going there to drink free coffee and like play Uno or something. That's interesting. <laughs> Man, free coffee and Uno, that brings anybody together, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that's at every Christmas party you ever go to is free coffee and Uno. Right. Um, but yeah, that's something that I think is really cool. That's something that I like to exercise a lot, like uh, especially with international students is something that I like to exercise is um, like talking to people of completely different backgrounds than me. Uh, I think that's that's very, very important. Like every time that I've been out of country or that I've had the opportunity to, I always try to do that because I believe it, it broadens your perspective. You know, it really helps you to understand those things. And also it just, it gets you better social skills, like straight up. You know, you can have a, co if you can have a conversation with someone who has nothing in common with you on a surface level, you will find things that you have in common on a deeper level, period. Yeah, like uh, this may sound dumb, but like when I first came here, I thought people here are different. I right. thought people here Not are like, yeah, like like they they have different interests. They are they have different way in pursuing those interests, right. and they have different goals, and they are different. Two, three, four years in, I realized like people here, people in Saudi, people everywhere. I don't know about everywhere. Like I've been to Saudi and here like for a good period of time. People are exactly the same, same yeah. goals, but like maybe they look a little different. They speak a little different. They have different way of pursuing the goals, but like. Same things. We're, we're all of the, exactly the same pursuing uh, what we want. People are people. People are people. People yeah. are people. Th this may sound so basic and dumb, oh, but, I mean, it is, but it is it's so, so true. true. Well, so yeah. many people discount that. So many people disregard that. Like a lot of the, um, a lot of tension springs nowadays from people who, um, you know, try to draw these, these differences between people at a very deep level. You know, they try to draw it at a deep level when really it exists at a very surface level. Um, but one thing that I do want to kind of pick your brain on, mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned uh, like differences coming to the U.S. for the first time. What mm -hmm. were those differences? Like, what were those culture shocks? Like those things that you just look at somebody, scratch your head, like, why the fuck are they doing? <laughs> okay, uh, so I've seen a lot. I've heard a lot about the U.S. before coming here. So yeah. not not one thing was like so culture culturally shock for me. Like nothing was so like. I was I looked at it, I was like, oh God, that's so shocking. But the first like week or two at the US, uh, so from outside the perspective, I thought you, you like Americans are white, black. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Nothing <laughs> else. Then like the second week I went to a restaurant and there's like Egyptian family. I was like, hey, what you guys doing here? Like this is not <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect this. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> so right. I, I was I was I was shocked uh, for that, but like it makes total sense, like People move out here. People immigrate yeah. here. People like study here. So it shouldn't be a shock. Yeah. <laughs> but like I was shocked about that. And the best pizza, uh, an Italian joint in my hometown, is actually run by an Egyptian family. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic. I thought it was so funny when I found out because I see the dude and I'm like, yeah, he he looks like he could be Italian, right? And yeah, I'm, he can uh, pass. And, and then I I talked to somebody and. You know, I'm like, oh, I really like this Italian. Of course, it's Americanized Italian food. But yeah. I'm like, I really like this Italian food. And he's like, that's an Egyptian guy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> He Bro. he makes Italian food, so right, I but, think you know, it's a <laughs> Italian restaurant. I mean, I just think that's so cool. Like that's something you really uh, you can't encounter that in a ton of places in the world. Uh, in the United States, is is one of those really unique places. It is. It is like uh, people think like Americans uh, usually think that there is no culture here in America. I think, in my opinion, there is culture. Mm. Like the term soccer moms. <laughs> does not exist outside of America. Why is that? Soccer moms. Why is that? Because it's only American thing. It's an American uh, phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's part of the culture. Culture shouldn't be like 
uh, specific clothing or, or specific type of food. Maybe America is not the best at that. Right. But like, <laughs> there are other aspects of culture, a practi- like pr- practical aspects. And right. this is one of it. Like drinking beer, watching football. Yeah. Th- who, who does that? Monday night football. Yeah, Monday the night Super football. Bowl. Exactly. The something Super like Bowl. that. Yeah, Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night. All of that. Sunday afternoon, not doing homework, watching football. That, that's around, amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanksgiving Day, Macy's Macy's Day fucking parade. In exactly, like yeah. Or whatever. I mean, that's a that's a uniquely American thing. Uh, another yep. thing that I'll throw out there that is like uniquely American is like automobile culture. Like we love our cars in America. We uh, love our cars. That is true, but like uh, f- from a Saudi perspective, we do like, the exact same thing. That's like, true. I've, public seen, tra- I've seen trans- a lot of that. Yeah, public transportation is not like as efficient as it is in like Hong Kong or Japan or something. Right, right, right. So you mentioned another thing. So on the topic of kind of immigration and like unique culture and like cultural anthropophagy, like in Saudi Arabia, you mentioned that uh, like there's 10 million people in Saudi Arabia who are not Saudi nationals. Mm-hmm. I did not know that statistic before this podcast. Um, tell me a little more about that. That's, that's Okay, so uh, like um, Saudi history is interesting. Like there is the current Saudi state was founded in 1932, September yeah. 23rd. Okay, so, yeah, sometimes the 23rd, yeah. <laughs> uh, from that point till the 50s, there wa- the economy was bad. Then in, the, I think, 50, 1952 or something, we discovered oil. Right. And that was, like, obviously big That's change. Huge. Yeah. Then we jumped from, like, a population of 4 million to a population of 20 million in 60 years. Wow. It, it, it may sound like... Not much, but think oh, about no, how many times it doubles. That's that's yeah, like four hundred percent increase. That's yeah, exactly. Crazy. That is a demographic explosion. Yeah, so we needed um, we needed a lot of people to develop. Right. That's why we're like getting a work visa to go to work at Saudi is right. so easy. Just I wish it's easy in the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, a little bit tougher here. Yeah, so that, that's why that's why we have like ten million uh, like foreigns and and like. Many of them are there for like 40, 50 years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so they're there to basically build a life, right? Like Exactly. There to, yeah. That's super cool. So you like, you import labor um, and like where there's capital, you import labor mm-hmm. and make more capital. Yeah, exactly. And and the labor we import is not like, uh, you may think it's only from American perspective, I don't know, but you may think it's only like construction workers, right. people who clean the streets. We 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 have like uh, like doctors from outside. We have nurses Talent, from outside. Like outside real skilled skilled yeah. labor professors and like right. construction people too. Like right. all, every every aspect of like labor. I mean that's all for the most part very very skilled labor. I mean the United States a lot of Western countries do the same thing. Like the United States, um, you know, imports a lot of labor from different countries. Like particularly. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, like very intelligent people that come to the United States simply because the the cash flow in the United States is so great compared to the rest of the world. That you know, mm-hmm. if you've got if you're highly intelligent, um, you know, you come here and you you make a, a great life. And I, I reckon Saudi Arabia is kind of the same way with that. Yeah, and exactly same way I would say, but like in a, in a, in a different uh, size, let's say. Right, right, <laughs> different different scale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> different scale. Um, so as far as like the region goes, um, you know, around Saudi Arabia, you have these little, little states like, um, you know, the United Arab Emirates. Have you ever been to the Emirates? Yeah. Uh, how is, how is that? I've heard Dubai and Abu Dhabi crazy. Yeah. Uh, like people here don't know UAE at all, the United Arab Emirates. They know they Dubai. Saudi Arabia. Right. They, they assume all of us are like one country or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Freshman year. <laughs> it's like <laughs> Listen people to saying this. they speak Spanish in Brazil. Yeah. You speak Mexican or something like that. Yeah. yeah. 
first year here, uh, a good friend of mine, he's so cool and he's like one of the nicest people I've met here. Uh, uh, one of the nicest people I've met in my life. Yeah, he, I told, he was like, where are you from? I was like, uh, Saudi Arabia. And he was like, oh, Saudi Arabia, that's cool. I was like, mm, bro, Saudi Arabia, what is that? Like, Saudi Arabia. But I, just, I let it oh, pass. Man. People, not all people yeah, are good in geography, I guess. That's funny. <laughs> funny. I mean, it's something that I, I've noticed a lot of people, um, a lot of people face coming in the United States. Like, you know, you mentioned having this stereotype when you come in the United States, everybody's either white or black. Um, like I've met lots of people like coming from different countries and like, they don't look like exactly what you'd expect. And that's something, um, that's something I feel like is, is really important to be aware yeah. of. It's really cool. Um, so I feel like it's very much the same way there, but, um, like how is, how is Dubai? How is Abu Dhabi? Like I've heard those are yeah. like just, um, like the Burj Khalifa. Like there's a big yeah. stereotype <laughs> of that. Like what's it really like? Okay. So, uh, like Dubai is one hour, I think, 15 minutes flight from my hometown. All right. So it's like for me, it's convenient to go there. It's like closer than what maybe Orlando or New York from, from Charlotte. Yeah. So that's nothing. And the, the flight ticket will be like $100, $200. That's nothing. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. So from my perspective, Dubai is a concrete jungle, a small New York, but an expensive one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, personally, I don't prefer to go there. Because okay, for, yeah. for me, it's like um, buildings, fancy restaurants, uh, shopping. People, uh, if you love to shop and go to fancy restaurants, Dubai is the place. But it feels very plastic. Uh, in a way? In a way, yeah. But like, uh, there, there is a bit, like, the, the highest majority of people like that. Right. Yeah. Personally, I don't like it, but don't this know. is what most people like. For me, like, I love a place like New York. You go to New York, 40% of the population in New York was born outside the United States. Yeah. 40%. How can that happen in any country? That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and like, if you go there, you spend like 10 bucks and you will get authentic Dominican food, authentic Arab food, authentic, like even deep, like you'll get South Saudi food. Like, how can you, how can they make it over there? Like, that's amazing. Just from some guy that you you meet on the street and he'll sell you like his mom's recipe of you know, falafel or whatever. Yeah, so something like cool. that. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's what like I like about New York that I couldn't find in Dubai. Right. Yeah, right, but like, right. d don't get me wrong, Dubai is an amazing place, and many, many of, of of like of the people who are here in this would love to go there. Right. See, yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I like New York's a very human city, right? That's what I like about it. It's so human. There's so many people there, and they're all just people. Like, you know, when you interact with somebody, you don't feel like you're interacting with the storefront. You know, you're buying this from a person. Like you're seeing that person, the profits don't go to the company. Uh, New York is such a competitive marketplace. There's so many people and they're all doing their thing. They're all, that's great. I love that about New York. Yeah, like if you have a restaurant and uh, the food is not good and the co like uh, the service is not good, you're not gonna last. Yeah, you're gone. Like, so you, yeah, there's no room to fuck up. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, like b b that's why all every single restaurant in New York is good. Right, like right, you cannot right. find a bad restaurant. It's hard to find bad, a bad restaurant. Yeah. I've been to NYC like six times. I've never had bad food there. Yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Period. I mean, you know, you may see a, a sewer rat the size of a cat driving a piece of pizza into the subway. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I <laughs> mean, you can't have everything. You know, and you know, I walk around New York and um, like I hear like all these languages: Portuguese, Spanish, you know, Arabic. Yeah, to, to, like I've experienced something in New York I've never seen in anywhere else. I've heard languages that I don't even know what 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 those languages I don't are. Even recognize exactly. Yeah, like I was like is that is that Chinese? Listen closely. No. Korean? No. 
is that Arabic accent? No. Like, what are those people? Like, yeah. that's insane. Exactly. That's amazing. That is crazy. Um, I really love that about New York. Uh, the only other place that I've been that, that really kind of comes close to New York in that perspective, I went to Germany one time and I went to Berlin. Berlin is very much an international oh. city like that. Um, people people go to Europe and they, they see like these very old European cities. And I think something interesting kind of gave Berlin the capacity to be like that. And that is it was torn to rubble in World War II. Like, it was broken down. So you go to a city like Prague that, like, largely survived, survived World War II. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of European culture. There's a lot of European architecture. But um, Berlin, very much an international city, much like New York. There's never Turkish Never knew there. that. That's cool. It's super cool. So, uh, and people in Berlin, they know it too, right? Um, like I'll, I'll share a story that I had in Berlin one time. Uh, I was there, and I was, in, um, I was in my hotel. I was with a buddy of mine. And we were sitting there, and we hear this uh, this guy with a Slavic accent, uh, and he's singing uh, he's singing Hallelujah in a, in a city singing Hallelujah, <laughs> and he's he's got his guitar, and he's he's really good, right? He's like great guitar work, um, you know. He's got a great voice, so we decide it's about midnight. We decide we're going to go out there and tip him, right? It's the middle of a crowded city square. What could go wrong? So we just we just head out there. And I was talking to my friend about something, and I go tip this guy, and I say, well, that's life. And I just hear a couple of a German guys on the side of the road. They just clink their bottles together, and they go, that's life. So I, <laughs> I look at them, and I'm like, that's life. And they're like, that's life. And they're like, come sit down, right? What? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so I'm like, okay, you know, this would never happen in the United States. Uh, are they going to rob me or something? <laughs> uh, that's what I'm wondering. So I, I just sit down with these two guys, and I just start, like, talking to them. And we just start getting into, like, deep subjects, like, just out of nowhere. And they're just talking to me like they're they're talking about um, there was a Ukrainian refugee camp right across from mm-hmm. when like was that where we were sitting it was in Berlin uh, uh, when oh uh, this was like it's probably about three months ago actually. oh okay so twenty twenty summer okay yeah so this is this is not um, not too long ago uh, and we're just sitting there we're like just talking about life and I have like a deep conversation with these guys until like one thirty in the morning uh, and then eventually you know we just say cheers I get up and go like. Wow. <laughs> that is something you can only have in certain places. Like yeah. the United States, you know, walking around Charlotte, you're not going to experience that. Not even walking around Charlotte, walking around you and see Charlotte. Right, right. People right. are busy. People are running from classroom oh, yeah. to the car yeah. to leave. That's it. Uh, but, but like, I feel like New York have that spirit. Yeah, New right? York. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Like Berlin and New York, kind of sister cities in a way, in that way, because they're both so human because you have this big melting pot of people and man people in new york um they don't there's no headspace there for um like you can't how do how do i put this eloquently it is hard to survive in new york if you do not have an open mind right yeah like yeah exactly have to treat everybody with with that kind of openness and it has to be genuine you cannot fake it for because like in new york you'll meet thousands of people every day you you cannot fake being nice yeah (laughs) Yeah, I agree in that one. I agree. Hundred percent. So like, there's just there's this energy there that um you know that everybody's kind of in the same boat. It's very human, and it can feel very inhuman at times if you are in the wrong mindset. Like if you are in the wrong mindset and you're walking around uh, places like even even UNC Charlotte, you feel very alone because everybody's scrambling to get from one place to another. Right? Mm-hmm. You got to take the time to really do it. Yeah, but I feel like that's not an excuse to not meet people. Totally like, not. Yeah, like uh, freshman year, I didn't meet a lot of people because it was freshman year, I was busy. Then COVID hit, two years not me- oh, meeting with everyone. Oh, yeah, that was my college uh, career, like 2019, I, I got admitted, uh, admitted uh, 2019 fall. So the actual very first year for me was my junior year. 
last year, 2021 fall. That year, like, I start going out and meeting people and I realized a lot of things about myself that mm. I never knew before because of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, I noticed that I'm a social person. I noticed yeah. that I, like, I genuinely like talking to people, whatever, whatever their background may be. Like, personally, I, I, I think everyone... Cliche, super cliche, but everyone well, is. We've had a few of those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everyone is interesting. Yeah. Okay, cliche. I know, but like you have to to know what they're interesting about. Like some people are may not be the funniest or the coolest, but they are genuine. They've so got genuine, like for them. yeah. So you have to respect that part about them. Some people are like may sound like, uh, like very unathletic. Let's say very. Uh, bad uh, sleeping habit bad uh, like food habit right. but uh, those guys are not good to maybe eat with them or like mm -hmm. uh, exercise with them right. but like they're amazing when you talk to them in uh, some situations right like in some certain cases so i feel like y you don't have to look at a friend or or someone you meet and immediately make a judgment that oh this guy is good bad Big like uh, yeah, yeah like like people are everything everything is relative Nothing is absolutely solid, so I think I think that 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 perspective or that mentality will make your life way easier, way oh, more 100%. enjoyable. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I mean that's one of. So I always like to say that maturing. One of the realizations that you get to when you mature is you realize that every single person, you know. Well, first, before I get to this point, let me ask you something. Do you think that you are at least on some level an interesting person? Uh, some point. Yeah, some point. I, I feel like I'm, a jerk for saying that. <laughs> I find myself interesting sometimes, okay. right? I'm listening to myself talk through these headphones right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, every single person that you encounter has had a life uh, as long and complex as you for the most part. As, as a matter of fact, most people that I encounter have had lives longer and more complex than me because relative to the human fucking lifespan. I've not been here too terribly long. Mm -hmm. There's a lot you can learn from those people. Um, I'll give you an example. There's this coffee shop that I love to go to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's run by this this old Indian guy. His name is Mr. J. I think it's short for Sanjay, but we he calls himself Mr. J. I call him Mr. J. Okay. He serves the best chai I've ever had, right? <laughs> I think I've told you about this guy yeah. before. <laughs> so it serves the best chai I've ever had. Um, and he is one of the most interesting guys I think I've ever met. He runs this little coffee shop in a town of about 500 people in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's from Punjab. And every chance I get, I go there and I talk to him because, you know, he's, he's this little coffee shop owner, but he also owns a hotel. Would never have known that about him if yeah. he didn't tell me. Like, he's a, like he's a business owner. Yeah. Um, he has made, like, yeah, I won't give any numbers, but large sums of money trading Pokemon cards. Yeah. And he has ensured his financial yeah. <laughs> success through Pokemon cards. That's insane. How would you know that yeah. about somebody? Yeah, exactly. One point about that, like, you may look at this guy, you may go to that, uh, like, cafe once, okay? And yeah. get in, get your chai, and sit down and be like, man, I feel bad for this old guy. He's he's working even though he's, like, in his 60s. Oh, I'm going to give him a big tip. And yeah, man. He's got, like, a million dollars. Yeah, he pocket. looks pathetic. <laughs> yeah. Then, like, when you actually talk to him, get to know him, he's, he's interesting. Yeah, and this and is it back... totally flips on you. Yeah, this is back to everyone is interesting. Right. But you have to find a way to understand and what they're interesting. That's a huge mistake that a lot of Americans, I feel like, make. And something that frustrates me sometimes. Honestly, it's not an American thing. It's it's a human thing, it, I would say. That is true. Yeah. But, you know, what I'm going to say about Americans is, like, we, um, 
and not even Americans, but just the world in general at this point is everything has been uh, transactionalized. Uh, like fast food, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go in, you pay, you get your burger. You have no idea who served you that burger, right? You mm-hmm. uh, you buy something off Amazon. You know, you have no idea what factory worker in, you know, Guatemala made that T-shirt you just ordered, mm-hmm. right? So everything has been so transactionalized that I feel like a lot of people have gotten this idea in their head that talking to people is somehow, like, taboo. Like, I see that in people. You know, that they have this idea in their head, like, they don't want to just go out and talk to people. Yeah, they feel like it's weird. Right. I'm bothering them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I see that a lot. And uh, I always, every chance I get, I encourage people to break out of that mentality. Okay, I have a trick that I told a co-worker and like she tried it and she, she liked it. Oh, yeah. Okay, me. so uh, like uh, I was, I work at Turek. Yeah. One of my four jobs now. I work <laughs> oh at Turek at the Welcome You're Desk. You're on your grind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a max of 20 hours a week as an international student to yeah. work on campus. Oh, I got so, you. Um, so even though I have four jobs, I cannot work more than 20 hours. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So it's just for the experience. Uh, so at my Uruk job, I would I be at with a welcome desk. Mm-hmm. Whenever someone comes in, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And call them by their name. Uh, whenever th- someone leaving, I call them by their name and, like, tap them or so- tap them or something. So I know a lot of people that because I go to, like, I work at Uruk. I play volleyball. Sometimes I play basketball. I go downstairs to lift. So I know a lot of people. And the coworker the other day was like, how do you know all of those people? Like, like, what do you do to know all of that? I was like, listen, I do it naturally, but I noticed some uh, tricks I do subconsciously yeah. that actually people like it. So this might sound so bad, but like, listen, uh, hear me <laughs> out on this. Uh, you, you meet someone, okay? You introduce yourself, make a small joke about yourself, just a tiny joke about yourself. This will make them feel like uh, feel less intimidating, yeah, uh, by any means, and like will make them feel like you're not a threat by any means. Like right. you That's are, you, you this guy's like I'm not gonna say funny, but like this guy's at least not a problem. He's chill. Yeah, he's chill. Then be you. After right. that, like everything, everything gonna be go up. Nothing gonna go down after that. It's just a little icebreaker. Yeah, just a little icebreaker makes everything so much easier. Like when you're meeting people, I feel like a lot of the problem people have is they're intimidated by people. Yeah, and this goes back to stereotyping, man. Like if I, you know, back um, at one point, I was like, yeah, it's easy to be socially awkward. Everybody goes through an awkward phase, right? And when you're exactly. in that awkward phase, you walk up mm-hmm. to people and you're like, oh, he's so. Yeah, he's like, so tall. He's so like you know this or he's whatever. So whatever they have, like you will see, you will notice something that intimidates you. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. But that goes for everybody. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and once you kind of realize that universal truth, it becomes so much easier to just like get out and talk to people. Hundred percent agree. Cannot agree more. <laughs> so something um, before we wrap this up, something very interesting that I, I wanted to ask you about. Like we got super far off track, but. Saudi Arabia has something that's like very, very unique, and that is uh, the birthplace of Islam, like mm-hmm. Mecca. Um, do you notice, you know, when you're in Saudi Arabia, how do things change, um, like when people are making pilgrimages? Like, how does that affect? Life? Yeah. So yeah. So Muslims are a quarter of the world. Right. So and I think it's the fastest growing religion. If I'm I believe not mistaken. So, yeah. yeah. And like, it's my religion, so I'm biased in this. But yeah, like, 100%. Uh, it's it's a religion that based on equality. Right. Yeah. I, I, like the first person who who died, and and, and like to protect the religion was a, like a formal formerly slave woman. Right. Yeah. So that says something, I guess. Right. And like uh, she died in, in order to protect like the religion. In some some case, we can talk about it after. Yeah, yeah. with details. But like, um, 
this region got so so let's say uh, popular and it's a 1500 years old religion so one part of the religion is going to a city in Saudi called Mecca and go to uh, like the, the 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 mosque the big mosque the masjid like it's if you don't if you're not familiar with that term it's like a church let's say for muslims and like uh, the religion called islam people called muslims so those muslims come all over the world to Mecca for like a, a few days to practice so, to have some practices over there then when they do like things they have to do they go back to their country so that process will last for about a week and the amount of people who go to Mecca Mecca is very very small city so the amount of people who go there are about 200 uh, 2.5 million wow yeah in in a short period of time wow. so getting all of those people in serving them getting wow. them out is insanely uh, hard and interesting job so i don't know how they do it over there That's but like they, they've been doing it perfectly like even though from uh how can i say it? from like i'm from very far city in the north and mecca is in the west so they will take some people from the hospitals every single year from like the police department the, the nurses from doctors and all kind of jobs uh, like uh, essential workers to go to Mecca to serve for a month wow. every single year, wow. and they will rotate that. That that's that's something interesting. And uh, people think like Saudi makes a lot of money of doing that. We do make money of that. However, if you are a Muslim wanting to visit Mecca for the first time, the visa is free. And I yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, like you were saying, Islam religion based on equality. Yeah, like the first time the visa is free, so. Uh, that tells you something, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, hundred percent. Imagine if it's uh, in in America, the visa will be like two thousand dollars. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. Everybody that I've I've met who's tried to get a visa in America, you got to jump through all those hoops. Like I know somebody who was almost deported over not getting a um a tuberculosis test. Like she it just, happens, and and yeah. that, that's crazy stuff. They were just like, she got some email, and it was like. Hope you want to go back to Brazil in a couple of days. Oh my that's God. what's going to happen to you. And oh I was like, my what? God. I think I know that person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was crazy. But um, yeah, so it, pilgrimage is, um, and totally correct me if I'm getting this wrong, mm -hmm. but it's one of the five pillars of Islam is Hajj, right? Is what it's called. Yeah. Oh my God. You know something? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know yeah. a few things. I know like uh, <laughs> no. Hajj, Salah. I know the five pillars, but I know yeah. them in English. Um, yeah. Uh, like list them let's go <laughs> uh, all right so you've got hajj that's the pilgrimage yeah then you've got almsgiving profession of faith prayer and fasting yeah exactly right? yeah yeah all right awesome so um if this is a question you don't want to answer mm -hmm. that's totally fine but have you been to mecca i've been to mecca um yeah would you feel comfortable like describe like how is it okay so uh as i said mecca is full of uh, a small city full of mountains right. so you can't even expand it if you want to like uh, like physically impossible. So it, it's almost reached its limit as of now. So when you go to Mecca, you arrive at another city called Jeddah yeah. in the airport or whatever. So from Jeddah, you drive. And back to equality thing, you wear, uh, how can I describe it? Basically, a man will wear a towel, Yeah. two towels, one to cover his lower body and the other one to cover his upper body. Right. The towel can, should be white, and shouldn't have any uh, any sign of uh, luxury. Right. Should be plain white towel. That's it. No, even like underwear. Nothing below that. Yeah. So why is that? Because everyone is equal. 
Right. You yeah. are you are bringing everybody down to the same level. Exact um, same because, level. Because I mean, the idea is, I guess, under Allah, everybody is it's the on same. the same level. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, doing that, uh, like you go to Mecca. Uh, if you go to that during the Hajj season, uh, you will do some practices. If you go to right. another season, like which is almost eleven months of the year, uh, you will do something called Umrah. Umrah is basically a small hajj, let's say. Yeah. And you don't have to do Umrah if you don't want to, but you have to do hajj if you can. Right. If you can, it's it's a necessity. If you can't, right. it's okay. But Umrah is not like, uh, not like uh, what you call it in English, like a necessity at all. Right. It's it's like something that you do, I guess, to deepen your faith and, exactly. and deepen your relationship. Yeah. That's that's super cool. I, I I really find that extremely interesting. One thing that you mentioned about the mountains that I thought was really interesting is that. Mecca has no more room to grow. And on the one hand, that may seem like a downside, but the way that I interpret that is it's frozen in time. Like it's frozen where it is. I, li- I like this perspective. <laughs> and it's kind of, um, that kind of gives it a, uh, like it makes it a jewel, if you will. Yeah, I like uh, a holy feeling, let's right, say, because it's right. the holy it's city. very protected, yeah. right. You know, it's like, um, you know, um, this may be a weird example, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going with this, but we had a <laughs> in France a cathedral burned down at one point. It was Notre Dame, Notre Dame Cathedral, um, and that cathedral had kind of been like preserved as a symbol of Christianity for a very mm-hmm. long time, and when it burned down, like a lot of people were upset because it lost. You, you can rebuild it to look the exact same, but it lost kind of that holiness, if you will, that it had before. If that makes sense. Yeah, I get what you what you're saying, but I feel like. I feel like uh, faith is not physical. No, let's not say. at all. Yeah, so so it will it will go back and right. it will look uh, as beautiful as holy uh, as it was. But I, I get I get to your point. Like uh, like seeing it burn from a cultural perspective. Yeah, it even. hurts. Yeah, it hurts. I feel even you. as a non-Christian, 100%. like it hurts. Yeah, and what's on your mind? Like, what are you thinking about? Like, based on our conversation. Um, I I, I like this conversation. Um. Like I like how we're talking about many different things, many different topics, and how we're, we're like how knowledgeable you are. Honestly, like oh, thank, thank you for that. Like that that's interesting. Uh, you can see that every day, and like I really looking forward to to hear this uh, podcast again and send it to my friends and everyone I know, so they awesome. can they can give awesome. me their opinions about it. Yeah, share it a hundred percent. Well, it has been great to have you on the show, Basile. Um, awesome. This has been Niner National. I'm Wyatt Smith, uh, and we will catch you later. This production was brought to you by the Uptown Audio and Media Network. If you are interested in more work like this from us, you can find those on our socials, such as Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok, which will be listed in the description below. And we thank you for listening.